for being on with us. Uh, we hope that uh, you've had a blessed week uh, last week. We hope that you had a blessed weekend. Um, I don't know about you guys down in Tennessee and Georgia and Mississippi. I know we have a lot of listeners in those areas, Louisiana. Um, I know Trent listens sometimes and our people out of Chicago. But uh, last Friday was a first here in uh, Virginia in the D.C. metro area. Um, just about every school system was closed because uh, we had very dangerous winds. I've I've been out of school because of hurricanes. I've been out of school because of um, snow. Um, I've even been out of school because the temperature was too cold, but I've never been out of school because uh, the wind was too strong. So this, this Friday was 
definitely a first. Uh, I'm not mad at anybody. Anytime I can get a day off, um, I didn't do much. I just relaxed. I felt like if I left home um, and something happened, then uh, I would have no excuse uh, for messing my car up or, or even getting injured myself. So I didn't do anything. I just stayed in. Um, definitely got a lot of rest over the weekend. So uh, this morning I woke up. Earlier than than usual, not too much earlier, but I woke up earlier than usual, um, and and felt good all day. So uh, grateful for that. Tammy and I again want to thank you guys for being on the show with us. We do appreciate your support. Um, I know me personally, uh, I'm excited about tonight's topic, um, and I know Tammy is too. Uh, but I think it's definitely needed, and I think it is so timely. Um, so tonight, we don't want you guys to uh, sit back. We want you to uh, get involved and join the conversation. Um, and tell us what's, what what is going on in your world. Um, tell us your views. Tell us um, tonight we're talking about family and, and tell us what you've seen in maybe your own families or um just families that you see on a regular basis. If you like me and working in school, you see a whole lot of uh, different situations, different scenarios when it comes to family. So definitely keep that in mind. We want to remind you guys about our trans can concept here. If you have not done so in 2018, uh, we want you to go back to something that uh, we really pushed last year, and that was we want you to move, we want you guys to move your trash can. And the whole point of moving your trash can is just to um, to see how many times you go back and you re- you revisit its old location, because a lot of times we don't uh, we don't realize that a lot of things we do out of habit. It's not necessarily because uh, we want to or because we have to, but we're just used to doing things a certain way. So see how many times you go back to that old location and then kind of relate it to um, your life as a whole. How many situations do you go back to on a regular basis? How often do you go back to um, unhealthy relationships and not just with a man or a woman, but, you know, even with family members? Um, How often do you find yourself, even after God has blessed you, with a new job or a new career, and you find yourself um, missing that old place that was just no good for you, um, and you find yourself, you know, wanting to go back, you know, um, do we find ourselves like Lot's wife? And, you know, uh, even though we've been brought out, we can't help but turn around and look back. Um, so do that for yourself, not for us, but but do that for yourself. And um, when you do, um, keep track of how many times you how many times you revisit um, the old location, um, and definitely share it with us. Um, also, um, the chat room is open. Um, you may uh, ask your questions or post your comments there. Um, we will definitely share them. Um, if you uh, choose to do that, you have to be a registered follower of the show. Um, but that's a very easy process. Uh, just follow the prompt um, when you sign in. If you are listening online, uh, whether it be the chat room or another method online, 
and you want to join the conversation, please feel free to dial 818-691-7406. Again, the number is 818-691-7406, and we will pull you into the conversation um, right after you press the number one. Uh, so don't sit back. Join the conversation. We want to hear what you guys have to say. Tammy, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you right. a little bit. Okay. Hello? I told you I was having problems for some reason. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. It sounds like you switched from Verizon to Sprint. Well, I need to just turn all this crap off. This is a new phone. I just I have had so much so many problems with technology and this is this is a new phone. I just got this and stayed up to AT and T trying to fix all of this stuff. Um, whatever day was it Friday? I think it was Friday. And I'm, I'm sorry, about, but I'm talking about you and I have my volume down, my bad. Oh, see, don't play. But it is. Technology is not worth it. I'm so serious. I am so sick of phones. I don't know what to do. I would take a pager any day. So that's what I'm doing. But oh, I'm man. Good. How, how are you? Say what, Rodney? No, how's, every, how's everything been going? How, how's, your, uh, how's the beginning of your, your, miracle, your 21 miracle days? Oh yeah, I got it. The laughing. I must not have said it right. <laughs> no, you guys, I'll have to update you. To, and I hope Tamari is hearing this, but uh, my friend this morning said, "Oh, you didn't get to do your suicide days." I said, "He called it suicide." Oh Lord, he's about to take you to basketball. You got to run some suicide. I, I know, I know. <laughs> it's gone from Miracle Morning days to suicide. But but it Miracle was Morning real. Days, I there we go. Miracle Morning, right. The Miracle Morning is what it's called. So, of course, now it went much better during the weekday. I just started Thursday, and let's see, I think it was Thursday, the first, whatever the first was on. So I didn't get to properly do it today, but I could tell the days that I did do it, I felt much more in control. I had... I seem to be more focused because I kind of had my day. I, I want to say I planned my day. I had an idea, mm-hmm. so so whenever it it allowed me to stay on course and not be so distracted by things that really are just simply distractions. So I spent a lot of time um, kind of getting some things in order, reading, studying, uh, meditating. I thought the the first few days was was absolutely wonderful. Today now was another story because I didn't I didn't get into bed until uh, four o'clock this morning. I actually right now I haven't told you guys I actually <clears throat> fell and hurt myself on Friday night. They um oh, no. MLG and W out to my house and they left the top off of uh, my water whatever you call the thing in the driveway the water whatever I don't know the top they left it off. And so I had gone to get uh, my goddaughter and bring her back to stay with me. And it was dark, and I came around from getting her and fell right through it and fell right down and hurt my whole left side. So I've been in, in pain for the past few days and just like this evil woman. Because I was really <laughs> upset because 
the 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 guys that was out on my property. It started earlier that day. I kept hearing I was working in my zone. I kept hearing something. I actually thought somebody was breaking at my house or trying to. And I kept hearing something. And now that you, you know, I think about it, because the first thing I did, I'm like, tell me what's going on. Which what you shouldn't do is what if you think somebody's breaking your house, right? So, but I went outside. I walked around the corner. It was this guy standing there, and I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm fixing, uh, I'm working on your water, whatever, I don't know, something he said. And I said, well, you need to let knock on my door and let me know you're out here before you just start working on my house, considering what's going on, you know, today in this time. So it was a young guy. He was actually playing around on his phone at that point. So I and I have this fetish about people working and being on their phone. Like it just I'm just so sick of seeing that because then I to me I get I don't get good service. I get half of you. And so mm-hmm. I went on back in and so of course when I fell mentally I went right back to he left it off because he was probably not focused paying he was on his phone. So I just I instantly just <laughs> went right there. Oh, I was furious. I didn't. I couldn't. I couldn't even hurt because I was so furious. Just thinking, you left this off, and then my mind went right to Brooklyn, my goddaughter, who's in second grade. If it, and she's so tiny, she would have went right through it. So I was highly pissed. So I didn't know I was hurting until Saturday. Because <laughs> so, I had the adrenaline and just the anger and just. You know, it's like I'm so sick of these people. If you're going to work, especially with work like this, if you're going to work, work. If you get in a call and it's an emergency, mm-hmm. that's different. But I don't I don't think all these things are an emergency. So um, so there you have it. So I've been, uh, when I, it, it actually, the pain actually gets worse when I'm trying to sleep for some reason. And then when I wake up, it's just horrible. So that's been my weekend and uh, my start of the day. But overall, I love the Miracle Morning process, and it is going to be very transforming for me at the end of the 30 days. And I hope it becomes a lifestyle. Um, I do think, too, and Samaria may have some, some input on this, I think it, it makes me calmer while I'm in that zone. It makes me I – just, I just don't think I uh, was more up to react like I would. I just felt more in control. I guess that's the, that's the best way to put it. So, so far, so good, I'll say. <laughs> so far, so good. Um, Sounds good. I am good. so ready for this topic. I wish, and maybe we do, maybe we have more people listening online, but I wish we had more people um, listening in tonight. Rodney, I went to see the Black Panther. Black Panther last night. Oh. And oh. I actually my mom and, and me, I couldn't couldn't turn it down. So I I it was my mom, Brandon, uh my mom's friend, my friend, and I think that's it. Uh and, and I'd asked my aunt to go but but she ended up not going with us. But I I wasn't so um thrilled before. I know you had told me that you, you got something out of it. But I was just like, okay. But even before you told me about it, I was like, I just don't think it's going to be something that 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 I want to see. But I am so glad that I went, Rodney. It was even before I started seeing the messages. It was something just exuberating about sitting there, 
seeing people that look like me in that. I mean, before I got the first message, I was thinking, you know what? This is this is really different. This this feels different. So, as a person that someone will be fifty, I can only imagine what it does to a young person who sits there and sees people that look like him or her, and that not you know not on the corner, not going to jail, not doing this, not doing that, living, of course, and having issues and problems of, of some way. But it just, this the overall, like I said, before I even got a glimpse of a message, you know, coming from it, it was, it was, it just dawned on me that this feels different. I don't know, I don't know why, because I've, I've seen black movies before, people that, you know, that movies that are mostly all black. And I've seen those before, but for some reason, it was different for me, different experience. So I'm so glad I went. And I have to ask you guys, did you say, after the credits, did you see the the very end of it? Did you guys get to see that part? Yes, we did. We don't leave until... Okay. Oh, how many were there, Sammy? It was two. It was... This how, many, uh, how long did you stay, Sammy? After the credits run ran, then then it comes back on, and I felt kind of cheated because I wouldn't have known that if Brandon had not already seen it. So he was like, "No, mom, yeah. we got to stay because there's 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 another part that comes on. It's very quick, but it's where the panther, the Black Panther, is addressing the state." Yeah. And I guess it's, so. Did you guys see that part? Yeah, we saw that part. Some people were saying that, like, it came back on um, even after that. But I don't think so because I think – so Tamaria and I kind of knew we, – we did we – it was it was our first time seeing it. But Tamaria said something about, like, the movie wasn't over. And then I was like, uh, if the lights haven't come back on yet, that means there's more to this. So we stayed there. A lot of people walked out. So we saw the part when he was dressing uh, – he was dressing the United Nations. Um, and then the lights came on after that, and so we left. Some people were saying that there was even a part after that. I'm not sure if there was or wasn't. I don't think so, but that we did see that part. Like, we didn't leave right out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, I was glad. I, I was so glad that I got to see that part as well. Because I yeah, thought it had I a mean, very I, different yeah, I, I I thought that there were so many messages um, in the movie, and I guess now thinking about what you just said, even outside of the movie itself, you could find a lot of messages. Mhm. Mhm. And so it was it was great. Uh huh. Well, well, we're glad so. that you enjoyed it. Did, speaking of movies, Very did good. you guys get to see the same kind of different as me? Has anybody seen that movie, same kind of different as me? No, we haven't seen that one. Great, great movie. And I don't think it's in the theaters anymore, you guys, but uh, that's something you and Tamaria, we ended up renting it uh, last weekend and watched it two nights. We watched it Saturday and Sunday night. Just, just like we had never seen it. It was, it is such a good movie, but it's same kind of different as me. Samaria would love okay. it. Okay, absolutely love it. Oh. Okay, we'll have to check it oh. out. So yeah, 
So, Rodney, what are your thoughts about this topic tonight? Well, um, I think that uh, to answer the question of the topic, what happened to the family, uh, the family, to me, the family has been caught up into the ways of this world that the family is no longer a family but just a group of individuals who may carry the same last name or the same blood physically. But the family that once was no longer exists. And I guess that's the same for the state of the family. And uh, a little while ago, I was sitting here just, uh, you know, writing some notes down, preparing for the show, and Mary was talking to her mom, and uh, she was commenting on on how serious I looked, um, you know, as I was over here writing. And what I was looking at and, and where this, I don't know, like as soon as I was getting ready to sit down and jot down some notes, um, the Willie Lynch letter uh, mm-hmm. came to mind. And so I pulled it up and just started just just started jotting some things down. And what's crazy is I know that there's, there have been debates over the years whether or not the letter is real or not. But whether or not it actually took place, whether or not this man, Willie Lynch, really exists, whether or not he really did, you know, travel from the West Indies to Virginia um, and go through and, and go through all of these things. Um, the reality of the letter is real. If you read the content of the letter, it is so real and so alive in our society today, especially within black families, um, but even in white families as well, and others. Um, And what's interesting is, and and I'm going to, not all at one time, because I I took a lot of notes, but just want to kind of point out a few things and um, hear what you have to say, Tammy, about it and, and some things you may come across as well. But at the beginning of the letter, um, it talks about the making of a slave. And I think the only thing that separates um, slave historical slavery versus present-day slavery is money. And so maybe people today should be considered indentured servants because they are getting paid, I guess. I don't know. I don't know the right term, and I don't know if slavery is the right term because I know that slaves endured a lot more um, mentally, physically, and emotionally, at least from what I've read and what I've seen. But the year that this letter was supposedly written was 1712. And he told the slave owners that if you do this correctly, it it would last at least, he didn't say definitely, but he said at least 
300 years, meaning it could be more than 300 years. So 300 years from when this supposedly happened puts us at 2012. And if you think about the mentality of people, I know everybody thinks that they're independent, and I know everybody thinks that they are free. But if you think about the mentality of people and the things that we see and that we've seen, this man instituted something that has carried on for as long as this prediction was, 300 years or more. And I'm going to start with this, which is why I um, uh, emailed you earlier about, um, I guess, certain topics, because, again, I was listening to a radio show on the way to work, and they were talking about um, tithing, and then they, they then they kind of talked about the Bible and things like that. And so at the beginning of this letter, Willie Lynch says, as our boat sailed on the James River from the West Indies, named for our illustrious king, meaning King James, whose version of the Bible we cherish. I'm going to point out two things. First, the word version. The word version means somebody's account or the way that somebody chooses to tell the story. And then when you talk about the Bible, right, there are so many different versions of the Bible. And if you think about the Bible and not necessarily the purpose of it, but if you think about how the Bible is used today, there are people, yes, who use the Bible to govern their lives or to live their lives, or they use it for guidance. There are people who use the Bible for that purpose, right? But then there are people who use the Bible to their advantage. There are people who use the Bible to get what they want from other people. There are people who use the Bible to put fear in other people. There are used there are people who use the Bible to gain control. People use the Bible for all different types of things. Well, the same Bible that we manipulate was manipulated to enslave us for over five hundred years. Back over to you, Tammy. Oh wow, you didn't you didn't tap into the Willie Lynch letter. I was just speaking <laughs> about that. Uh young actually to a lady that I thought we were gonna have on tonight, um, to discuss the broke a broken heart the broken heart syndrome and so I bought that letter up to her. But Rodney, I think that this goes I hadn't even thought about it from the from the aspect of the Willie Lynch letter, but it's certainly something that Wisely, I think we could we could start there because there has to be something. This this the, the state of the family or what's happening into the family. I think we're deep into the effects of it. Like we're so deep rooted, we missed something along the way. And now, to me, it's a it's a fire that is um, 
that gasoline is being poured on every single second of the day. And what I mean by that, if if the people who are listening, just just in their own lives or their own families, think about what is going on within your family. You have mothers against. Well, let's just take it up, take it up a little bit. Let's go back to the structure: husband against wife, wife wife against husband. You have people that are literally living in the same home and fighting for each other to lose. And you might say, well, how is that so? By their actions, by their selfishness, self-centeredness, they're arguing. And, and, and granted, take that these are people who fell in love at some point and fell in love enough to say, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. But they're in a home right now. Think about how many people, you know, married people who are, I'll, I'll say, well, maybe not even genuinely happy, just, just, just a little bit happy, that they're enjoying being together and they're proud of the choice that they made enough so that they can respect one another and continue to say, I want, I'm glad I chose you no matter what. And I want to love you for the rest of my life. You can't really say that. Most people are at odds over the smallest things. So you got husband, wife. Now you got siblings against siblings. And this is not just young people. You have sisters against sisters, brothers against brothers, brothers against sisters, and so on. You have daughters against mothers who are just... um, have conflict over sometimes things that they that happened years ago, and every time something something else happens, it seems that they grow farther and farther and farther away. But Rodney, let somebody die. What do we do? <laughs> we come together. Mm. We come to the funeral. There, there. We will come to a funeral and act as if we have been keeping in touch. And know how each other are doing all the time. Mm. And then people will leave and it start we'll even get along some some for the sake of a funeral. We'll talk we'll converse. We'll we'll do all of that. And won't hear from anybody until the next funeral or until somebody said somebody said something or did something. And so we have seen we seem to have just lost the substance of family. And I I think Ronnie it goes back to we started the Wheel of Lynch letter. Also, just individually, who you are and how happy you are with you. Because if you're not happy with yourself, anything I do that is of light, in your opinion, is gonna darken your life. So I think because we look at people in this competitive state, which is which is really a result of what you're saying, Rodney, the Willow and Fella, we look at each other as in this competitive state, and it's not just the black race. Well, if you talk to any races today, I mean, I've I've been blown away in my in in 
what I've been doing lately because I've had the opportunity to meet with white people who are married, black people who are married, individuals who are seeking um, guidance on how to thrive, how to live their life. And when you get down to it, there's not a, I don't think there's one person or couple that I've met with that is not experiencing a family issue, whether it's I don't talk to my mom, I don't know where my dad is, I don't talk to my dad, I don't get along with my sisters, so they're right here in the city, but I never see them. I can't say that there is a woman that is not having a major family issue. And so I'm going to come go back to, and I'll turn it over to you, right? I'm going to go back to um, the movie last night. It was, again, it was, it was, because that's not something that we do. We don't get together as a family and go to the movie. But we did, and it felt great to sit there amongst people that you call family. But this is what got me. Brandon said to me, he said, Mom, it feels so good. He, he actually said, I wish Auntie Sandy would have come because it feels so good to be amongst family like this. He said, this is the reason I fight because all of you come together. And that blew my mind. It blew my mind, but it also broke my heart because I'm like, this. he feels that one of the reasons he has to fight is so that he'll see us all together rooting for the same thing at the same time, wanting the same thing at the same time without somebody being mad because somebody did this, said this. They're, they're not distracted. They came there to see Brandon fight in hopes that he will win. So they're not focused on themselves right now. Or the other person in a sense. But when he said those words to me, that took my night even farther with with just what I was feeling with seeing black people in the state in the movie and um, feeling just proud to see it. And then to hear him say, it feels so good to be here with family in this state, enjoying a night out in spite of differences, letting each other be in spite of. So, Back over to you, Adam. <laughs> you touched on a lot of things that, I, that I'm going to go back to, and I think I'm just going to try to go backwards. Um, thinking about what you just said about uh, Brandon um, and, and 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 him fighting and, and um, even last night with the family getting together. So I am 35. My sister will be 36. Three Saturday. Um, my oldest brother will be 39 in May, and my second oldest brother will be 37 in June. Do you know that we have never gotten together, just the four of us, and and our and our spouses, of course, but we have never gotten together. And just done something together. Never. And about a month ago, my sister called and said, hey, what do you think about getting together for Montreal's birthday? That's our oldest brother. 
Um, and I said, sounds good to me. And they, and so she, so she kind of put this thing together where they're going to all come here, and we are going to celebrate my oldest brother's birthday. Significant because for so many years, we never really had beef with, with, with each other. We just, you know, didn't like, you know, we weren't like that close to where, you know, we would do things together. Um, but even if something happens, and let's say we don't get to do it, the fact that we are at least planning these types of things now is a huge step in the right direction. And again, it wasn't that anything was wrong. It wasn't that, you know, we, we weren't mad at each other. We were just never close like that. But now, here we are planning to celebrate our oldest brother's birthday together. But not only that, we all talk to each other more now. And it just sort of happened. Like, as the years progressed, especially over the last few years or so, we talk more now. And, like, my sister will call and say, hey, how are y'all doing? We haven't talked to y'all in a while. And I'm like, we just talked like this. <laughs> but it means something to all of us that, hey, you know, we call and check on each other now. Hey, how are y'all doing? Hey, you know, what's going on? Hey, this is happening. Hey, you know, we talk all the time now. And last week, my oldest brother shocked everybody because usually, you know, even if we're in a group text, you know, he won't really say much. But last week, just out of nowhere, like, we we all woke up, you know. You know, we all, like, live in different places. But we all woke up, and my brother, my oldest brother, texted us all and said, uh, good morning, have a great day at work. And, you know, and so they started calling each like, they started calling each other, like, hey, is he all right? Is he by? Like, you know, but it's such a good feeling just to know that, hey, man, like, Let's not act like we didn't all used to share the same bed. Like, let's not all, let's not act like, you know, we didn't grow up in the same house or, you know, like we like we, we, we didn't used to do things together when we were kids, but it was somebody, like, making us do it. Um, but so I'm really excited, you know, about it. I'm really excited to see them and, and just to spend time with them because it's something that we've never done. And my sister even told my mom, you know, because <laughs> my mom, you know, that uh, I think, I don't know how my mom found out about it. So my mom was like, well, if it's a sibling, you know, get together, I guess the mom isn't invited. And so my sister's like, no, nah, it's just a sibling this time. But, um, you know, it, it, but, but it's something that, you know, it's just, it's just nice to think about because we've never done that. Um, and then some other things that you touched on, Tammy, um, and I'm going to go back to something that I said before uh, when you talked about, coming together when, when there is a tragedy. Um, I think that is a bigger tragedy than somebody dying when the family can only come together when there's a tragedy. That in itself is a tragedy because it shouldn't take for a wedding or a funeral to bring you together with your loved ones. I get it sometimes, you know, people grow up, you know, they have families, they have careers, they live on, you know, different sides of the country, whatever, but if you can come together for a tragedy, 
then you can come together at, at, at other times. And I think we are all guilty of that and have to do a better job of that. Um, but I also want to make this point, too. Um, we have to stop, when it comes to parents and their children, when we talk about those relationships, we have to stop passing the blame when our children do wrong or when they don't turn out the way that we want them to. But take all the credit when they go on and do great things. I thought about that as you were talking about the divide in the in, in, in the household. We can't be like that. If you have a child, that child is your responsibility, the man and the woman. And you can't halfway raise the child and then act like you don't know why the child is spoiled or act like you don't know why the child has a problem with rules. No, it is both of your responsibility to raise the child. And just because one of them may not be there or because one of them may not be raising the child the way that you want them to doesn't mean that you get a free pass. Doesn't mean that you get to give up. And the last thing that I'm going to go back to that you said at the very beginning when you talked about differences and you talked about the family and, and, and I think you said something about gasoline being poured on on the fire. At the beginning of the the Willie Lynch letter, uh there was there was a comment about differences and it said take the number of differences amongst the slaves and make them bigger. Mm-hmm. If you want to keep people divided, you find out not what's wrong about them. But you find out what makes people different. And you do exactly what you said. You find a way to pour gasoline on the fire. He pointed out three things that will help you gain control, or three things that you should use for control purposes. He pointed out fear. He pointed out distrust. And he pointed out envy. If you look at our society now, so many things keep us divided, and they should. Rodney, what was the third one? The fear, distrust, and I can't envy. remember. What was the third one you said? Envy. Fear, okay. distrust, and envy. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Think about, I forgot about the envy. Okay. <laughs> think about politics. We are at war, and when I say we, I'm referring to Americans. We are at war with each other, right? We are both Americans, which means we're on the same side, or at least we should be. But how do how how does the government control us? Well, you are a Republican, and I'm a Democrat. Well, I'm a Republican, and you're a Democrat. Doesn't matter, right? And the media is set up to have 
certain stations come with a conservative perspective. Some stations come with a liberal perspective. doesn't matter that you and I, outside of politics or without the influence of politics, would not have an issue with each other. What matters is the government, society, tells us we or even our parents You should have a problem. If you're a conservative or if you're being raised by conservatives, they tell you that liberals or the liberal way is wrong and vice versa. If you're raised by liberal parents, they'll tell you the conservative way is wrong. And so what happens? This starts to be nurtured and matured as you grow older, and then you find yourself, if you are a Democrat, having an issue with Republicans to where no matter what they say, you're already turned off and Republicans do the same thing. And you can't convince either one of them that they are wrong or that they should listen to the other side. So what does that do? It keeps us divided and fighting against each other as Americans who are on the same team and it keeps them in power. So now, what are you doing? You're controlling. You're controlling a population by taking a difference between the two. Because let's say say your views are different than mine. Why do we have to hate each other? But what happened, they make it bigger. Same thing that Willie Lynch talked about. He didn't say find the differences between the whites and the blacks. He didn't say point out, he didn't, he didn't say make the black man hate the white man. Like, that's that's too easy. That's too common. You're not going to go anywhere. If you're trying to control a group of people, don't point out the obvious. Point out things that they're not even thinking about. He said. So, so Rodney, can I stop you there for a minute? What What do you think the main thing he, when you think about the fear, the distrust, the envy, like, I like what you just said. He didn't say, let's make, you know, put, make them against each other. What do you think the one thing that, that he was expressing, or one of the main things he was express, expressing um, in that as it relates to what you just said? Oh, my God. I don't know I don't know if I could just point out one thing. Um, because there's so many. You know many. what I think it is? Can I show you what I think it is? Go ahead. Yourself. <laughs> Not, not hate, not hate the white person or the black person. To hate yourself, to dislike uh, who you are, and what the world says to you every day before today, and what they're saying you will not be every day beyond this day. So you start to hate yourself, which which then leads to the fear. You don't trust anybody because you feel like now I can't make it, and then you start to envy what you think. They have that you want and will never get. You know, uh, <laughs> I didn't. You know what? That didn't cross my mind when you asked me that question. But but it reminds me of conversations that Tamari and I have had, and um, I think that you're right. And and conversations that her and I have had 
we've talked about, you know, things um, that are put out there for us to hate ourselves. I remember one time she was she was pointing out the difference uh, if you go in the store and there's a beauty owl and then there's an ethnic beauty owl. Why is there a difference? Beauty is beauty. Just like when we talk about history, why is there history and then there's black history? Isn't it all history? But these mm-hmm. things are, I think, put out there. And then um, I guess the things that I was thinking about, Sammy, fall under what, what you just said. Um, because think about the way that dark-skinned women have been portrayed versus the way that light-skinned women have been portrayed. Mm-hmm. If you're young, you don't know anything. If you're older, you have all the sense. So, so many thought, you know, when he talked about making differences bigger, I think, again, I don't agree with it, but I think he was on to something when it came to accomplishing their agenda. And their goal was to make everything a big deal. It is a big deal that I'm light-skinned and you're dark-skinned. I'm better than you. Because for so long, that was an issue. That light-skinned people or light-skinned women were viewed to be prettier and more attractive than dark-skinned women. Every single difference that was there with the slaves was made out to be a big deal. And I think if you look at us today, we are often reminded about how we are different from people within our own race or within our own gender group or within our own socioeconomic status. And they they will go and dig as deep as possible and find anything. They don't try to make you different than, than, than people who, you know, you can tell, oh, I'm black and you're white. No. We're going to have you fussing with black people. No, I'm not going to have you fussing with black and white men. I mean, black, I'm not going to have you fussing with black men and black women. No, you're a black man. You're going to fuss with black men. You're not going to fuss with black people. Now you're going to fuss with black men. Now you're going to fuss with them because he's older and you're younger. Or because he's tall and you're short. Or because he can dribble a basketball and you can't. All of our differences are brought to the forefront. And like he said, if you can make somebody afraid, you can control them. If they are afraid, you have the power. If they don't trust other people, or if they don't trust anyone, you have power. Because if you don't trust anyone or if you don't trust people, you won't have any, have any allies. You're not going to have any partners. You're not going to have any support. And where, you, where are you going? You're not going very far. And when you envy others, People can play on that. 
they'll feed right into it. They'll feed you what they know you don't like. If I know you are having an issue with somebody else and I want to take another step up in life, oh, Tammy, guess what so-and-so said about you? So, and that's why I said, you know, we can challenge the validity of this letter all day, but the stuff that this man talked about or the stuff that's in this letter, the reality of it is real. And differences keep people at war. When, when I, when I feel that they were designed to bring us together, like because the, in, in the body of Christ, and Rodney, as, as it relates to the fear, I think you said when some, when basically when someone is fearful, it's easy to gain control. You said it in a different way. I think it's also just the opposite. There are a lot of people who we've allowed to have control, but they are very fearful people in many areas of life, meaning people can create people can walk in their in their sense or their mindset of fear in a very um strong way i guess i would say there are a lot of people who really are and 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 i don't want to use the word cowards but i'm going to use it because that's the only one comes to mind and i don't mean it in the sense that you know you're you're you are a coward but it it there are a lot of people who because we have become a just a people in general that we don't deal with the truth. We don't speak the truth. We don't deal with the truth. We don't live our truth. So everybody is, seems to, be, to me to be in this pretending state all the while knowing. Like everybody wants to be this, well, they're, they're, they, they, they want to portray themselves as this perfect person but not an authentic person. Like they, they may appear to be perfect, but inside they're dying because they may be they may be appearing as this perfect bird, but they were they were really their purpose is really to be I'm gonna say an owl just to say in that same family or something else. So we're like we're conforming to this world, which means I already know I'm in a zone that I was not created to be. I'm just here because I think this is where I have to be to fit into the world. So imagine how fearful that must be to think any day this foundation is going to collapse because I'm not supposed to be here anyway. And I do feel that we know when we're out of place. I think all of us, many of us, are in places that we just landed because we, we, we have gone through life with blinders on. And we've not been conformed to this world, but we are addicted to it. We we talk about the need for people, and, and nothing against people buying things that they like. But we were, we were talking about this today. If you want to go buy, if, 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 if I go buy Mercedes Rodney, I, to me, if I go buy Mercedes, I should not be working for anybody. And if I go buy the Mercedes, I should be able to pay flat foot cash for it. 
So, I mean, I just don't see the point. And you've been paying hundreds and th- hundreds of thousands of dollars for a car, and I'm going to work for somebody every day in that car. It sits in the parking lot from 8 to 4, 8 to 5, whatever, and it goes home and sits in the garage for the most part so I can get ready to go back to that job. And I think when you talk, when you, so people are fearful that I won't measure up. Um, the world won't see me as um, productive or successful because there's so much put on who you are as a person or how you're valued based on what you look like, what kind of hair you, you have um, or don't have, what you dress, how you dress, what you drive, where you work. Um, are you a doctor? Do you, do you have a title in front of your name or after your name? Where do you, what zip code you live in? And everybody has bought into it. So it will leave you fearful. Will I measure up? Do I look like I'm, I'm part of this crowd? And at the same time, because everybody's trying to get there, you're going to have to not trust almost everybody, including your brother, your sister, your mama, your daddy. You feel like everybody, like I said earlier, is your competition. If you make it, that pushes me just that farther away from wherever it is I'm trying to get. And now, if you have it, if I if you have what I what I want and I think you you got to it first or you're getting closer, I'm envious of that. That's what the world has become. Become envious of what they think they want and need to thrive in the society. So if I begin to hate me, it's easy to hate everybody and want everybody to dance to my music. It's it's easy for me. If you hate yourself, if you dislike yourself and where you are in life, if you feel like somebody else's light is shining just a little bit brighter than yours, because we are naturally sinners, we are people that, are going to be envious, and unless we turn to God, and I think instead of us turning to God, we're turning away from God. The the substance of the word, um, the change of heart that it has to produce for me not to be envious of my brother, my sister, and I mean my family brother, my, my born into my family. If without that, with even in the even in the the Old Testament, without someone really serving and seeking God, so that their heart can be changed, their mindset, so that they don't they're not fearful because their trust and their faith is in God. So I may not trust you, but I trust God for my life and in my life, which makes my my um, distrust in you not a big issue. Doesn't leave me blind as well, and I think that's another that's another thing that people again not dealing with truth. They're walking around trying to be this um, nice, nice person, and you can be nice and tell somebody the truth. You could be nice and tell somebody, like the guy who's working at my house, you need to knock on my door before you come in my yard. I don't care who you work for. This is my house. You don't just walk in my yard and start working, especially when I didn't tell you to come here anyway. 
So a lot of people with that, with even that, will have a problem. They're trying to be these these nice, nasty Christians, and you're leaving people who have no authority and should not. You're leaving them with too much. You're giving them too much authority, trying to be nice. But no, you nice is not about speaking up or speak or not speaking up. You got to speak the truth. Just because you don't tell someone the truth because you don't want to hurt their feelings, it doesn't mean you've been nice. To me, you've been vindictive because that doesn't help the person. So when you got all of this on you and then you have someone else, say your brother, your sister, who's dealing with these same things, now you both are in the same house, but you're on different teams. You're on the me team. This is about me. So, no, you don't go in there and drink the last little bit of milk. You don't go in. You don't go in the bathroom and stay or whatever. Everything is territorial, and it doesn't. It doesn't matter if you're in my family and and how close you are to me. This is this is my world. This is me. How dare you get there before me? How dare you think you're better than me? If you do, all of that. And I think that's why we have families in the state that they're in today. Which is, to me, it's in a state that I think is, I'm sorry, but beyond repair. And it won't be repaired unless we turn to God. Unless we turn to God and say, woe is me, change me, change my heart. And, and, if, and if that person in your family's heart is not changed, then you can still love them from a distance. If that makes sense. Back over to you, Russ. No, it makes it makes perfect sense to me. Um, <clears throat> I think that there are so many um, different um, ways that I mean we could we we could take this this topic. I'm, I'm I'm sitting here just thinking about different things. But one of the things, Tammy, um, and I'm going to stop right here with this letter. I think I don't think I'm going to go into any more of it, but. I think we talk about this all the time on the show, and one of the most powerful things in the letter that stood out to me was he said, keep the body, take the mind. Mm. And if you ever want to control a human being, all you have to do is take their mind. Take their mind. When the devil goes after people, he goes after their mind. Because no matter how strong your body is, no matter how good you look, no matter how healthy you think you are, if you don't have the right mind, you can forget about it. You can be in the best shape of your life. If somebody is able to take your mind, the rest is easy. Think about a family. As a yeah, think about a family. Think about a family. And how women have been able to come in and destroy family 
Well, what do they do? They go after the man, and whatever it takes, not to gain him physically, although that usually ends up being a part of it, but whatever it takes to gain him mentally, she does that, and then she's able to take him away from his family, and then what happens after that? The whole thing is just broken down or falling apart. It starts with her getting in this man's head and convincing him <coughs> excuse me, to leave home, to leave his wife, to leave his children. <coughs> and then from that comes resentment, comes hurt, pain, you name it. And then from there, that's when the not-so-good decisions come. It's just one bad thing after another. But it all started with somebody losing their mind. Think about people who have everything going for them. And then one day, they decide to try cocaine. They go to a party. They got everything going for them, but they go to a party. Here, try this. And then their life ends up in a downward spiral. What has happened to families is that minds have been captured. And that's why we do things so backwards now. That's why we can come together when there's a tragedy. But can't come together just to have Sunday dinner. That's why, or that's how we can treat our wives like they're nothing and then shower them with flowers and candy on Valentine's Day. That's why our kids are out of control. They feel entitled. Somebody owes them something. They don't have any responsibility. (coughs) They don't have any accountability. You can't tell them nothing. The kids are running the households now. I listen to the way the kids talk to parents now. And I'm just like, man, I would have never gotten away from I've never gotten away with that. But it's because mindsets have been changed. Look at the way we're raising our boys now and the way that we're raising our girls. We're raising our girls to be independent, strong women, right? And we're raising our sons to think somebody is going to clean up after him the rest of his life. Somebody's going to take care of him the rest of his life. He can sleep on somebody's bed or somebody's couch the rest of his life. 
will make our daughters help with the laundry, help with the cleaning, help with the cooking, go out and get a job, right? Because nobody is going to take advantage of her. She's going to be a strong woman. She don't need a man. That's how we're raising our daughters. But then we raise our sons to be so dependent. We raise our sons to think that they can just lay around. But the problem is, we're not seeing the big picture. Because your daughter is going to raise her sons and her daughters to do the same thing. Your son is going to raise his children to do the same thing. And we're going to keep having this cycle. We're going to keep having kids talking back to adults. We're going to keep having kids and raising them to think that everyone else should be honored that they are walking this earth. Until it gets to a point where it's going to be out of control. And if you ask me, we are very close to it being out of control. But we've allowed our family structures to be torn apart. Because a long time ago, a man said, keep the body, take the mind. People want to change their lives all the time. Not understanding that if they change their mindset, you change your mind, you can easily change your life. Because your body is not a living thing. But your soul and your spirit are. Your body is just flesh. You just need it while you're here on earth. (laughs) But other than earthly functions, it serves no purpose. That's why even in the beginning, even when God made Adam, he said he breathed the breath of life into him and made him a living creature, a living being. Because without the breath of life, without breath, without soul and the spirit, the body is nothing. But that's where we focus. We are always praying and asking for physical things. And when we talk about fear and envy, We put so much effort into how we look physically. We put a lot of effort into our hair. We put a lot of effort into our makeup, into hygiene and showering and deodorant and lotion and the clothes we put on, the shoes we put on, and that stuff sometimes looks like a million dollars. but it's just covering up a $2 hole. 
And that's why we have the issues that we have. Because no matter what you do to your physical being, it can't cover up the ugly on the inside. You can make it look as good as you want to on the outside. It can't cover up the ugly on the inside. And so the way that we feel and the way that we think is going to determine our interactions with other people. As the Bible says, Tammy, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I want to, um, as we work, Rodney, to, to kind of bring it to a close, and, and I know we've, we've given you guys a lot, um, but and, and if you think that what we, the things that we've said has nothing to do with the state of the family, you're, you're I, I'm going to say you're wrong, dead wrong. Um, we have to stop and take time to address the things that matter because the feeling I had last night sitting there with family watching this movie was, it was, it's, it's really under, I can't even describe it. And I really think that people are looking for that. They are looking for a place and people who take the time, if nothing because of their love for them, to get to know them, whether they understand all of me. I'll, I'll, I'll say me. I won't say them. To get to, to take the time to get to know me in spite of me, in spite of what you understand and what you don't understand, and still love me. And to love me means to be concerned about me, my life, my mental, my emotional, my physical, my happiness, all of that. To be concerned about me enough to make me feel like there's a quote that says family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. And I think that a lot of people feel that they've been left behind and forgotten by family members. And if you if you have that feeling about blood, what you see as we share the same bloodline and you leave me behind, you forget about me. Why would anybody else in this world not do the same? And it goes right back to what you said. Fear, you start to fear, distrust, and have envy. And not only just those things, now you become angry. And that's why I so wanted the, the lady to be on tonight speaking about the broken heart syndrome. She says she's been diagnosed with a broken heart syndrome, and she started to look back on her life and realize how time and time after again, again, her heart had been broken to the point where she can hardly live. And that, to me, speaks of many, many people. And like you said, Rodney, we go and dress up all, we dress this body up for, and I think you said a $2 soul. Sorry. It doesn't. It doesn't work. It doesn't fit. So you got all this inside of you. Now, how are you supposed to provide love to anybody? You can't do it for yourself. 
You can't love your mama, your sister. And then on top of that, you going dealing with foolishness at your nine to five. Because there's so much foolishness within the workplace. And even that, even people at work should should become as a family, allowing each other, accepting each other, and allowing them to thrive. But what do we do at work? You, you compete at home, and we have to go to work and do the same thing. I tell you guys, I don't miss work. That was the most hell, hell pole I think I've ever been in. And just, it take, it sucks the life out of you. So everywhere we go, life is being sucked out of us. And we're not making sure that it's being put back in because we're even if we go to God, rarely can we hear him enough to allow him to lead us. So ask yourself, is there any place that you go that you feel accepted, understood, loved, and as if you will never be left behind or forgotten no matter what? It doesn't mean you can – I was watching the show, and this, this, this lady was talking about her son. he gotten on drugs, and she said, I told him, you cannot stay the night here. But you can come and eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But until you make a decision to change your life, you cannot stay the night here. I'll give you what you need, but you can sleep anywhere. You may everybody, Somebody might not feed you, but the ground will let you sleep. That's tough love. That is love. That's saying, I have not forgotten you, and I don't want you to be left behind, but I'm not going to bring you in just to make me feel better about being your mother. No, I want you to get this together and get over what what has consumed you, not go through it because I don't want to be ashamed. That's love, which brings me to this. God's word says the greatest of them all greater than hope, and then you think about faith. Those two things, hope and faith, is love. And if you don't love yourself, your life, who you are, you can't love your brother. You can't love your sister. You can't love your coworkers. You sometimes can't even love your children, the people that can't, which is why, well, that's a whole other topic. You think, well, why are these, where are these parents? What are they doing? They're trying to find somebody to love them so they can turn around and get it. And if we say the greatest of them all is love, now you got to define love. You have to define it based on God's word, not yours. Oh, you love me if you get my hair done. You love me if you let, if we get sick. You love me. What happens after that? That's equivalent to what you said, buying all the stuff for the $2 store. Because love, God's word describes love. It defines love. So as we say always, it starts with you. It starts with us individually. So where we are working on us enough to where regardless of if you love me or not, I'm going to love you. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to be a fool for you. It doesn't mean I'm not going to call you out when you need to be called out and want you to do the same for me. But I'm going to love you. I will feed you three times a day, but you cannot stay here. 
but at least you know I got you in this area. But you have to make some decisions and some choices. We would rather not speak to somebody for the rest of their life than speak truth in their life. And sometimes that's all somebody is one. For you to, Rodney, I don't know if you remember me saying this when Brandon was in high school and he was ranting and raving about me trying to keep tabs on him because it was the, he told me he was going somewhere and he went somewhere else. And I was explaining to him in front of another young man, you tell me you're going to Burger King or wherever, you go across the street to a McDonald's. Okay, something happens at McDonald's where you are, but you told me you were going to Burger King. And I'm not concerned because my son told me he was going to Burger King in my car. Now, let's, let's just get that through now. You, you riding free. <laughs> so I have a right to know where you are. So now I'm not concerned. I'm concerned about those people who were in there, but my child wasn't in there because he told me he was going somewhere else. Now, Brandon, he's all feeling some kind of way like I'm trying to control him. The young man says, man, well, at least your mama care enough to know, want to know where you are. Mm. He spoke He spoke a mouthful, a lifetime. At least your mama cares enough to want to know where you are. Because what he was saying was, I could go anywhere, come back anytime and do anything. No questions, no calls, nothing. And what that says to him is that's not concern. That's not the concern that a mother should get. Kids know when they are not when they they know when they don't feel love. They know when something's not right. They have expectations of us of parents. Yes, you're supposed to fuss at me. Yes, you're supposed to call me out. Maybe they'll get mad. It's natural. But when we don't do it, they they think they're not loved. You don't care. So what we're missing is loving ourselves, loving God. So that now I can love my neighbor as myself. And, and and I don't think the word meant your neighbor crossed the street. You first got to start with the neighbor right beside you, the neighbor laying in the bed with you, the, the, the neighbor that you're sharing the bathroom with, sharing the kitchen with. Think of that person as your neighbor, the people that you see the most. And so, Michael, as I end and turn it back over to you, I want to read two two quotes here. Family is not an important thing. It is everything. That's by Michael J. Fox. And lastly, last, family isn't always blood. It is the people in your life who want you in theirs, the ones who accept you for who you are, the ones who would do anything to see you smile and who love you no matter what. Back over to you, Rodney. Tammy, this has been a great show, and um, I definitely um, have taken a lot from it and have learned a lot from it, Um, and I hope our listeners did as well. Um, As we we bring it to an end, um, next weekend, not this weekend coming up, but the weekend of March 16th, um, I'll be in Chicago for a leadership summit. And I was telling Tamari before the um, before the show started, um, I got an email and and they reached out to me and asked me um, about doing a podcast <laughs> um, while I'm there. So uh, hopefully I'll have the recording and uh, 
We'll see. Hopefully, I, hopefully I'll do a good job. <laughs> um, but definitely look. Rodney, definitely, what are you uh, speaking on? Forward. What are you uh, speaking it's a, on? It's and about will we be giving able to um, to the podcast. What What are you speaking on? And will we be able to listen to the podcast? I'm not sure how they're doing it. Um, I'm I'm guessing it's going to be a recording, but I'll find out for sure. Uh, but either way, okay. probably we'll be able to access it like through some website or something. But I'll I'll okay. give you guys more details as I find out. But it's basically me giving advice to uh, new teachers coming into the profession. Oh wow, that's great. What so, so may I ask yeah. what would be your what would be one of your main things? What 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 uh what would be your I don't know, main ingredient <laughs> for the teachers? <laughs> not get well, out, not run. I... <laughs> well, I think well, I mean there are there are several things that I I think that new teachers need to know, but I think one of the biggest things that I've seen, um, and this is my tenth year um, in education. One of the biggest things that I've seen is teachers come out of school unprepared, not because they haven't been taught well or trained well, but they haven't been trained for the populations that they're about to go teach. Many teachers enter the profession with book sense and not mm-hmm. cultural sense. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really going to push um or encourage them to build relationships um, with the kids and with their families and try to get to know them and understand them. Uh-huh. Because, uh-huh. I mean, if you look at our, especially in the toughest areas, most of the kids are either black or Hispanic, and most of the teachers uh-huh. are white. And so Mm -hmm. it creates some very interesting um, dynamics in the school system. And that doesn't mean that white people can't teach, you know, anybody except white children, because that is far from the truth. However, there are some, some things that are lacking, and a lot of it has to do with relationships and relevance. And I think that those are things that, um, that new teachers need to need to focus on, uh, because those are things that they don't teach you in in, in school. Diversity mm-hmm. is just a buzzword. It's not it's it's not a curriculum. It's a buzzword. <laughs> oh wow, Ryan! If you don't get off here, you're gonna start a whole another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I do wanna I do wanna I encourage. So to Mary you said that'll be a good topic. <laughs> I'm so serious because what you just said just just woke me back up. Like I want to say so much. Oh, what you did. Yeah. But from what I've seen, I mean, and, and I'm grateful, and I tell people this all the time because I, I, you know, I, 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 in ten years, I mean, I've worked with people who've, you know, gotten their education from various. Institutions could be an HBCU, could be a Division One school, could be a Catholic school. I mean, people have gotten the, the degrees from everywhere, and a lot of them will will say that they were not prepared for the job. Like the things, I mean, 
you know, I, I remember one teacher, um, you know, she signed up uh, to teach at a at a school and and didn't realize the demographics of the school. And then when she went there, she was like, well, wait a minute. I don't know how to do this. And she quit. But that's how real it is. Um, and that's why I do, you know, the workshop that I do on self-awareness because people just, people just don't know. And the ones who are in education for the right reason, they'll want to know or they'll at least be open to it. The ones who don't, like even like the workshops that I, the workshop that I do, I always look to learn something from the audience. Whereas most people, you know, they just want you to take things from them. They don't want to gain anything. And every time I've done the workshop, like, I've learned things from other people. And I'm the presenter. But I think that is missing, um, that people, you know, there there are so many things that um, aren't taught because their job is to make sure that you're competent, that you know the, the content. But the kids don't care anything about the content when they are homeless. They don't care anything about you know, social studies or, you know, who the first five presidents were when mom and dad are gone at night for good and bad reasons and they're, you know, 12 years old trying to take care of a two-year-old. They don't care anything about, you know, the Constitution. So, you know, just getting just getting them to understand that, you know, Kids will be willing and open to learn anything you are trying to teach them if you get to the kid first. I totally, totally agree, Rodney. And I got to say this real briefly. I remember in all the schools that I've worked in, they have been, um, they've been mostly black kids that come from um, poverty-restricted areas. So you get, and you're so right, you get teachers, and not saying that that um, a white teacher from suburban America can't come in and do a wonderful job. I think, though, that has to be a heartfelt thing, that it has to be just in your heart, and that you also have some understanding of the mindset of poverty and what these kids mm-hmm. are, are being taught and not being taught what uh, their day looks like. But I remember telling this teacher, her name was Miss Whitaker, I will never forget it, and she was basically complaining about these kids. And mm-hmm. I shared with her, you have no idea what these kids go home to, what they come to school with meaning what's on them, in their heart, you have no idea because you come from your white world. I mean, I had this conversation with her outside the school in this little walk area, and she did, she, she did not get offended because her heart really was to teach and help these kids. I mean, it really was in her, and she was truly a great person. She just did not understand this life. And what it mm-hmm. does to a an adult, let alone a child. And so when the child gets before you, he just needs a little bit more of you. He just needs he just yeah. needs a little bit more of everything. And what 
you said I don't I don't remember exactly how you said this, but it makes me think if 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 I learn I can learn I can learn how to speak Spanish mm-hmm. now at this age. But I also have to have some understanding of the the culture of Spanish people in order to understand some of their words and their language and their perception of life. So we can, you can learn my language, you can you can get to know you can get to know me. But there's parts of me that you may not understand until you 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 get a glimpse of my past, until you see where I've come from. And I think we missed that. So I think what you're doing is or going to do is so needed, and, and I think every new teacher needs to, to understand the, the their population, their area, um, drive through on a Friday night, drive through on a Sunday, because where you may get up and, and, and go have breakfast at the Broken Egg, these kids may not eat the, the entire weekend. They may have never mm-hmm. heard... I love you in their life. And I'm sorry, Jess, yep. because people who sometimes mothers are just, and not saying anything bad about it, sometimes their, their mission is just to put the food on the table, keep the lights on, and keep you housed. This, is, this means I love you. You know? Yeah. So it's, whereas this teacher may have heard I love you every day on top of getting all the other necessities. So it's, yep. it's it's an under it's an understanding that needs to happen. Not just you you come over you walk in the building because you're a teacher and I'm a student. Hey, I'm ready and you're ready. No, you have to understand me. You have to understand my life. You have to like what you did. You said Rodney, um, noticing that a child acts up at math time or reading time. That's a pattern. Mm-hmm. What is it that you're really saying? What is it that you're really fearful of? Pay attention. So who knows mm-hmm. to you? And I hope we can. I hope we can listen. And if not, maybe they'll share it afterwards. But who knows to you? <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and I mean, I think I, I, I just think it's important for um, those people that you talk about, Tammy, who really do care, to understand that even if you are a good person it does not mean that the world sees you as a good person. Mm-hmm. The same way, the same way, me being an assistant principal uh, can walk down the street with a black hoodie on and be viewed as a thug is the same way you as a white person who is a teacher who got into it for the right reasons, but because you're white, somebody's going to view you as a racist. That wow. is not the reality, but that's somebody's reality. In somebody's mind, just because you white, you racist. In somebody's mind, just because I'm black, I'm a thug. So even if you have the best intentions, you have to understand people aren't going to have the best things to say about you. Mm. Because... And I'm going to end right here. What did we just finish talking about? The body versus the mind. People don't know what's in your heart. They only know what they can see. And that's just the unfortunate reality 
of our society. So, again, uh, we'd like to thank you guys for tuning in with us. And we've given some, I guess, insight into um, what has happened to the family or the state of the family based on our knowledge and based on our experiences. But for everybody, that's going to be different. But whatever has happened to your family, we encourage you to do all you can to fix it. This has been another episode of the Butterfly Evolution Show. Thank you guys again. We really appreciate you, and we hope that you'll tune in next Monday, same time, same station. Good night, everybody. Travel to the seven